Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And uh, I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Tom Dorian. Touchdown, TD. Wow, thank you. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? You know what? I'm feeling incredible. Uh, you you, you <laughs> are a, incredible. That's right. This is a great day. Uh, and uh, we have a great uh, show topic today. You know, it's always a great show topic yeah. with you in the house. Yeah, well, exactly. I appreciate that. Thank yes. you for that, uh, that love welcome. and support. Uh, let me turn the other cheek. But it is about deacons. Well, let's talk about deacons. That's what we need to Which talk about. you are one. Well, I'll tell you what. Before we do that, okay. I do want to start first by talking about how important it is that we we get emails from folks. It is important. I love to get emails. If you want to send me an email, send it to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. I answer so many of these emails. Now, there's a few that are still queued up, ready to be answered. And right. so I apologize to those people who emailed and said, hey, I emailed him and he hasn't emailed me back. But right. I will, I promise. Um, he doesn't but, email me either, so but, I feel but, bad out there. <laughs> but all, well, I, there's a reason that for that. Yeah, That's well, a different issue. What are you going to do? But I will say that uh, I got this great email. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one came from Indonesia, and we don't get a lot of emails from Indonesia. Uh, no, but it's cool. And this do. one is from a man named Bazo Dharmawan. Now, I will say that I may be mispronouncing that, yeah. Bazo, and I I apologize They're for that. They're all laughing the in Indonesia right yeah, now. Yeah, I probably just said some cuss word in Indonesian, <laughs> and that, I'm sorry about that. But Bazo here wrote, he's actually a doctor of veterinary medicine. Okay. Uh, and he wrote me this email, said, Dear Deacon Jeff, I found the CatholicCafe.com podcast when I was trying to understand what on earth podcasts are. Aren't we all trying to figure that out? <laughs> As a veterinarian, my first interest was in animals, and I found AVMA, that's some kind of veterinary association mm-hmm. or whatever, podcast. After that, my next interest was to find podcasts on my belief, the Roman Catholic Church, and that's how I found you. Up to now, I have only downloaded one veterinary podcast and seven of your podcasts. So maybe his interests yeah. are changing now. So he's, he's got he's, the smiley face, too, after that's that. That's exactly right. <laughs> he says, yours are always interesting because now I can see that Catholic teaching is always the same all over the world. My parents and my teachers have told me that, but until I saw it, I didn't believe it. And he says he's a Thomas Downing Thomas. Downing Thomas on that count. And so a uh, very insightful uh, uh, gentleman here, Bazo Dharma one. So I appreciate uh, sending that That's email. Good stuff. But he's got some questions here. He wants to talk about, he says, one thing that tickles me. Now, I do want to stop here and say yeah. that the, the Catholic Cafe is totally against tickling. We, yes. <laughs> we do not tickle yes. at the Catholic we, we have a prohibition. Anti ticklers. Anti ticklers here. Yes. At the, however, apparently in Indonesia, we're doing uh, we tickle. <laughs> we are tickling. But it right. says, one thing that tickles me and I really want to ask is about you being a deacon. I hope you don't mind me asking you this. In Indonesia, deacon is one of the steps, the last step, before a person can be ordained as a Roman Catholic priest. But I can see that you are a deacon and you have a beautiful wife and nine children. Can you please explain this to me? And yeah. You know what? I can't explain it. My wife is beautiful. Now, why she, she would marry me, I don't know. I think most of us have um, uh, questioned that. Yeah, outfunded our coverage. <laughs> yeah, you've you've seen pictures of me on the website. I'm not a handsome guy, and so no, uh, you're a handsome. Guy. Well, I will say this: I know um, Bazo is not asking right. why I would deserve such a beautiful woman. He's Correct. actually asking about deacons <laughs> yes. and marriage. Yes. 
So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And it's not isolated just to Indonesia, by the way. That's exactly right. here in Indonesia, it's actually worldwide. That's exactly right. There are lots of deacons right. uh, around. And uh, especially here in the United States, we have about 15,000 deacons. 15,000 in yeah. the United States. Uh, and many, I would hmm. say most of those are married. Right. And I think that if you were to ask anybody, they wouldn't necessarily know exactly what a deacon was. They probably have seen one, mm-hmm. right? And, and a lot of times the experience of the deacon at your local church is you would see them up on the altar right, next to Father. Uh, and I'll have to admit that pretty much every Mass that I attend, every mm-hmm. Mass that I, that I assist uh, the priest, I get called Father afterwards. <laughs> Oh, oh, Father, yeah. that was a great homily. Or, oh, Father, <laughs> you looked so good up there. Yeah. Uh, and so we need to talk about that? the differences. Right. Well, I, I do the best it I can. Depends. Well, I do. I do. <laughs> I, I, my line when someone says how much they enjoyed my homily, Father, uh-huh. yeah. I'll say, well, I am a father, but not yours. <laughs> uh, that's, my, that's my line. And then I'll let them know that uh, in a loving way that uh, I'm actually a deacon. Now, is there such thing as a grand deacon? <laughs> there is, because I just had a granddaughter. <laughs> there you go. And I got my bishop's permission to be a grand deacon. That's great. Uh, you know, so uh, I'm very excited by that. Now, I'm yeah. not, he said I couldn't be grand deacon outside of my family. So I don't. there's, there's not an ecclesial <laughs> title, grand deacon. Uh, but to my family, I'm Grand Deacon. Right. Uh, but all that aside, <laughs> I have a family in that way because I can be married. Right. Permanent deacons uh, can be married when they're ordained. Right. Now, interestingly, we want to point out. You mean mar- they're married prior to? That's exactly right. But not once they become a deacon. That's right. We'll talk about that in a okay. second. But I do right. want to point out, first and foremost, the obvious thing that okay. a lot of people don't realize mm-hmm. is that deacons are ordained. Deacons okay. are members of the clergy, and it's important for people to realize that they have received holy orders. Right. Now, a lot of and they're not members of the, they're no longer members of the laity. Right. Uh, a lot of people make that mistake and think that well, the deacon is he's like us, but you know, a little different because he gets to wear some fancy clothes. But really, he's just one of us. So, from a practical standpoint, that means you're that, plugging along. You're married. Something happens to Beth. She's no longer here. Yes, and this is You're the issue. You're not getting remarried. That's, that's exactly right. When I'm ordained, I take a conditional vow of celibacy. Okay. So should my wife pass, yes, right, pass before me right. to eternal glory, right. and I'm left here with the nine, nine children. Nine <laughs> and a granddaughter. That's right. Uh, in that situation, I would not... Uh, remarry. Wow. I would not remarry. That's a big commitment. There, there are some ex- exceptions to that, mm-hmm. uh, that you can, you can actually petition the Holy See and get uh, uh, an exception for that, especially if you have small kids. Mm-hmm. But it's very rare. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that the permanent diaconate is, uh, is permanent, and so that's your, your, your status, your ordained status shouldn't change. That's why right. it's called the permanent right. diaconate. It's different, it's different than the transitional deacon. Which we is, had a show on transitional deacons. Right, which the next step is you become a priest. That's right. And that's what Bazo was talking about when he right. said, I understood that these... Uh, Here in Indonesia. That's right. right. The, the deacons were... That was a step to the priesthood. Right. And indeed, uh, it is a step to the priesthood if it's a transitional di- uh, diaconal ordination. Yeah. Right. So if you were ordained a deacon, a transitional deacon, that means you're on your way. So a seminarian would be ordained a deacon right. first. All priests... Are deacons, deacons, right? Right. But not all deacons will become priests. Right. right. So that's a very important distinction. Yeah. Uh, and then also this idea that uh, that deacons can be married. Yeah. Right? But they can't marry 
while they are ordained. Right. So a man who's unmarried and is ordained a deacon is, is not unmarried to be, That's right. He will forever. remain unmarried. Right. He is taking a vow of celibacy. Right. And then the married man who is ordained a deacon is taking a conditional vow of celibacy right. and promises to the church that the church will be his bride right. should his wife predecease him. Hey, here's a question. Yeah. Can, let's say that were to occur. Would right. the deacon be able to become a priest at that point? Well, that also may happen. But again, I want to reiterate mm-hmm. the title, permanent deacon. Okay. Right? This uh, this class, of the, the diaconate, uh, this hierarchy, this level of hierarchy mm-hmm. is set upon itself. It is its own order, right? The order of permanent deacon. Mm-hmm. And it's not meant to be a stepping stone, right? It's meant to be uh, a permanent deacon is supposed to be what his name implies, permanently a right. deacon. That's right. that's what he's called to be in, in the permanent diaconate. There are cases where uh, perhaps a, a man receives a call and, 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 and becomes a priest mm-hmm. after that. But the reality is in the situation where I'm, I, I don't, I don't presume to be a priest, Right. And that's not my calling. My calling is to the permanent diaconate. Okay. And the permanent diaconate, it has its own character, its own order, its own uh, identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a threefold ministry that that comes with this order of deacon. Okay. Uh, and it's the ministry of the word. And that's where the, the deacon is the evangelizer, the teacher, the preacher. Mm-hmm. Right? He lives by the gospel mm-hmm. and presents the word of God to people mm-hmm. in various ways. He's also a ministry of liturgy. Right, he's in the ministry of liturgy, the, the the church's liturgy. We're all called to the liturgy of the church, the public work of the church, mm-hmm. and the the deacon is there, whether it's doing the liturgy of the hours or a Eucharistic benediction, etc. But also to assist the priest to be there present as a sacramental presence mm-hmm. to the people, right, and being that bridge between the people and the priest, mm-hmm. right, to lead people into that sacred mystery of the liturgy in a more fuller and greater way. And then also the deacon is, is obviously in the ministry of charity, mm-hmm. right? He's called to be like sort of a witness and guide, and he's known by his actions. And it's important that these three aspects, all three of these aspects, are part of that ordination mm-hmm. in a very specific way in the ordained permanent deacon, this word, liturgy, and charity. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly, there are people that will want not to be active in all parts. I remember at a convention standing behind another deacon who said, well, I just don't think God has called me to preach. And so I've asked my pastor not to preach. And so I don't, I'm not really involved in teaching classes or whatever. I'm really mostly involved in service. And that's a beautiful thing. But we're not supposed to be picking and choosing. It's a threefold ministry, and all three of those must be active in the deacon's life. Uh, so very important for us to, to remember that. We have lots more to talk about on this uh, permanent diaconate. We're going to get back to uh, Bazo Dharmawan's letter in just a second. Can't wait. And we will do that right after this break. First, I want to tell people at home about this wonderful website we have, www.thecatholiccafe.com. And then remind everybody again that they need to send me an email, and I'd love to maybe read it on the air. Uh, and that's deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so with that... We'll be right back. I'm Bester Zemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Not much detail is known about the life of St. Lawrence, deacon and martyr of the Catholic Church. St. Lawrence lived in a very tumultuous time for the early church. 
the mid-third century, when the Christian religion was not legal and martyrdom was common for those who professed their faith in Christ. While the exact details of his life are not known, the legend of his martyrdom lives on in church tradition, continuing even to this day. The church built over his tomb became one of the seven major churches of Rome and one frequented by holy pilgrims. St. Lawrence was one of the seven deacons of Rome and had great authority over the administration of the church. He was responsible for the church's funds and the care of the poor in Rome. St. Lawrence's responsibilities put him at the center of the pagan Roman government's hatred for the growing Christian church. The year was 258 AD and the Roman Emperor Valerian had declared Christianity an outlaw religion. Under Valerian's decree, many priests and deacons, including the Pope himself, were put to death. After Pope St. Sixtus II was put to death, the Prefect of Rome demanded that St. Lawrence give up the treasure of the church within three days. On the third day, as ordered by the Prefect, St. Lawrence gladly complied. He presented the Prefect with the poor, the sick, the widows, the orphans, the lame, and the crippled and told the prefect, Here, here is the true treasure of the church. This act of courage enraged the prefect and he condemned the holy deacon to death. St. Lawrence was martyred in one of the cruelest ways the Romans knew. They burned him alive on a metal grill. But even during this gruesome death, he was able to keep his Christian joy about him through a special grace of God. He was said to have remarked to his executioners, Turn me over, this side is done. St. Lawrence is a witness to the courageous life all deacons are called to live. They are not only servants of the high altar of God and to the word of God, but they are servants to the everyday needs of his people. Because of the manner and circumstances of his death, St. Lawrence is the patron saint of deacons, the poor, and of cooks. His feast day is celebrated by the Universal Church on August 10th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and I'm Deacon Jeff, and I'm sitting here with my permanent co-host. Yeah. Permanent is right. That's right. Permanent co-host. You will never be anything but a wingman, co-host. Wingman. Permanent wingman. I like that. But you, I, you're a right, co-host. good guy I'll go, to have I'll go here. Co-host. Oh, wingman's nice. Wingman's yes. nice. And I like I, I like hot wings, too, so I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, let's go back to um, Mr. Bazo Damrawans, yes. uh, our favorite veterinarian from Indonesia. If, by the way, you are listening in Indonesia, your dog is sick, Bazo is the guy. <laughs> Find him, and he will take care of your your dog. So uh, that's a shout-out to uh, Bazo Damrawans. <laughs> you tickle. Uh, yeah, we don't, that we don't tickle me here. for whatever reason. Anyway, let's go on with uh, Bazo's uh, email. He says, about five years ago, the Catholic Bishops' Conference of Indonesia mm-hmm. introduced a new position in the church hierarchy, pro-diacon or pro-deacon. Hmm. They are gentlemen of good standing, trained to become the priest's helper to deliver Holy Communion during the Mass. They also bring Holy Communion to the believers that can't attend Mass due to their sickness or other reasons. They lead the burial rites or lead the parishioners gathering, usually during the months of St. Mary, uh, May and October. Is that what your duties are? 
So, yes, but he's not a gentleman of good standing. Yeah, well, no, There's wait a second. Uh, the bishop says otherwise. <laughs> he wouldn't have laid his hands upon me if he had. The bishop doesn't know you. That's right. Oh, he does. He does. We have a great <laughs> bishop. But I will say this. We need to talk about the duties of the deacon. Yes. And what the deacon does, because a lot of people don't understand what's going on. Now, many of the things that Bonzo points out here that are happening in Indonesia mm-hmm. um, are indeed the duties of the deacon as part of what the deacon does. Right. Now, I will say that, uh, just to point out that, uh, technically speaking, the Catholic Bishops' Conference of Indonesia didn't just, like, create some new level of hierarchy. Right. This is this is a, a brought back by the church mm-hmm. um, at the Second Vatican Council, uh, and this is something that uh, the church has been working on, and so it's been more than just five years, and we didn't just sort of, the church didn't invent Mm-hmm. A new level of of hierarchy. Okay, and actually, they resurrected something that had been going on uh, since the earliest church. They resurrected we, the pro deacon. Well, the the permanent deacon, the idea That's of a it, deacon, okay. right? right? And we we get that from right. scripture. We're right. not going to read it now, but if you would go to um, the uh, Acts of the Apostles, chapter six, right there at the beginning, and there's this. The apostles realized this need for some people to minister to the people, right? While they're doing the sacramental stuff, we need someone to. What they said, wait at tables. Right. Diaconia, you know, to serve. We need some servers. Right. Right. And the church sees in this the importance. And they, they end up laying hands on those men. Right. Right. They ordain those men to that service. Right. Right. So, but, so it's much more than just being the priest's helper. Now, I don't take offense to that. I am that priest's helper. Yeah. I'm there to help the priest, especially yeah. in the local parish. But both the priest and, and I, as a permanent deacon, uh, are there to serve in a lesser way. The needs of the bishop, right, right. Who the the apostolic successor to Peter and the apostles is mm-hmm. our bishop, mm-hmm. and we're and he has that apostolic mission, right. Mm-hmm. And we are there to assist him, right. And me, in a special way, to assist the priest in that process, uh, especially in the liturgical functions and some of the sacramental duties that mm-hmm. the priest would have. And so there are many things that people ask that that question. That you hear all the time. What is that question? And that is, what is the difference between a priest and a deacon? Yeah, see, I hear, I get that all the time. Like I said, I get called father. Do you much really? Oh, I, I, can see, I can see how people call you that because of your clerics, but but other beyond that, I mean, I can't well, see Well, they that. see somebody up in the altar, right? They okay. see somebody up there, and, and I'm dressed in a way very similar, although right. there's a subtle difference. There is. Uh, I'm wearing a dalmatic, right. and the priest is wearing a chasuble. Right. And the difference is the dalmatic has sleeves. Right. But you can't always see those sleeves unless my arms are outstretched and realize that there's a cut to them and that there are actually sleeves there. Right. But if you look, the deacon wears a dalmatic, so, but it's very similar. Mm-hmm. And so there's this natural assumption, and because there haven't been a lot of deacons in the world, and a lot of people haven't really paid attention to what the deacon's been doing over the last 40 or 50 years. Mm-hmm. And so there's like, well... Well, who is this guy? He must be a priest. Mm-hmm. Oh, great homily, Father. Mm-hmm. I get that all the time, like I said. so, um, But that does ask us to what is the difference between the priest and the deacon. Right. Now, it's important for us first to see what the similarities are. And both of us are ordained. Right? We're both Correct. members of the clergy. Correct. Both of us are called by God to serve his church and to serve the people mm-hmm. of the church. But these are p- particularly different ministries. Mm-hmm. Right, and so there are things that I can do that are the same as a priest. Right, I can uh, I can perform a baptism. Right, right. So I can officiate at a baptism. Mm-hmm. I can officiate or I can receive vows for a married couple. Mm-hmm. Right, outside of mass. Right, 
right? I can uh, I can lead the burial rites, as mm-hmm. uh, Bazo Dharmawan points out here, right? And that's true, right? Uh, outside of mass, right? The things I can't do, I cannot consecrate, right? Right? right. I can't do what the priest does. I am in persona Christi in a sense, right? Christ is in me. I'm in Christ in a, in a sense, in a special way because of that ordination, but not in the same way as a priest. Right. Right? The priest's hands are consecrated. He's the one who's going to confect the Eucharist, not the deacon. Right. The deacon does not right. do this. I assist. I stand at his side. Right? I set up the altar. The I prepare the table right. for him. Right. I make sure everything's all ready for right. the sacrifice. And when the sacrifice takes place, that's the priest's job, not mine. Right. Now, additionally, there are things like anointing of the sick the deacon doesn't do right. because that involves forgiveness of sins. Can you hear confessions? Oh, I can hear confessions, Tom, but I cannot do anything about it. And this is the important <laughs> difference. I tell friends that all the time. They say, hey, can deacons hear confessions? Yeah, we can hear them, but we can't do anything about it. <laughs> So don't tell me, and I'm not. I'm not bound by any seal of confession. Now, right. all joking aside, I shouldn't joke about that because the sacrament right. of confession right, right, is right. such a serious and such a, a, a beautiful sacrament in our church. It is, and that again belongs to the priest. Right. The the the, the priest has the authority uh, to forgive in the name of the church. Mm-hmm. Right. To be Christ to us, to minister us and to us in that way, not the deacon. So mm-hmm. don't start spouting off and letting the deacon know all your uh, right. innermost. Uh, uh, <laughs> Failings, right. yeah. Right. Do not do that. So, <laughs> so there are some there are some good points of separation to understand between uh, the priest and the deacon. But it also would be good to understand what the uh, what the church intended when they decided they wanted to bring this order back mm-hmm. to the church. The bishops in the United States had to submit a letter requesting authority Mm -hmm. to basically start the permanent diaconate in the United States because the Holy See said we need to have the permanent diaconate again at the Second Vatican Council, said we need to do this again. But each Episcopal conference, so the U.S. CCB, the the Catholic bishops in in the United States, had to then go to the Holy See and say we want to do this. And in their letter to the Holy See, they said they wanted to – they wanted to start this permanent diaconate again mm-hmm. um, for these five reasons. To complete the hierarchy of sacred orders and to enrich and strengthen the many and various diaconal ministries at work in the United States with the sacramental grace of the diaconate. To enlist, then number two, to enlist a new group of devout and competent men in the active ministry of the church. Number three, to aid in extending needed liturgical and charitable services to the faithful in both large urban and small rural communities. Mm -hmm. Four, to provide an official and sacramental presence of the church in areas of secular life, as well as in communities within large cities and sparsely settled regions where few or no priests are available. And then five, to provide an impetus and source for creative adaptations of diaconal ministries to the rapidly changing needs of our society. And so you look there and you see that the bishops had a very big idea about what the deacon was supposed to be. And Mm so while I am not offended in any way by uh, Bazo Dharmawan's characterization of deacons as sort of being priest's helpers, the church sees this as a greater, greater need. To, f- to fulfill and, and wanting to get uh, more devout men involved, right, involved in that process. Speaking of that, yes. I'm sure there are some folks out there listening going, okay, I- I'm thinking I want to be a deacon. How-, how do you do that? Well, that's a good question. Thank First you. of all, we recognize that the diaconate is a call. 
Mm-hmm. Right? We don't just decide we want to be a deacon. It's right. not like choosing where are we going to go eat tonight, Wendy's or McDonald's. Right. Right? right? Although the Catholic Cafe does not sponsor any uh, – <laughs> Uh, disclaimer. <laughs> it's not a simple decision of where we're going to eat or what right. flavor ice cream or everything's all about food for me, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I see that. You know, it's a, it's a call. It's answering a call. It's vocare, right? Vocation. That comes to that word vocare to call. Right. right. And when you answer that call, it's a pretty lengthy process, too. Oh, that's exactly right. You don't just right. raise your hand. That's just right. I'm a, I want to be a deacon, <laughs> right? And you don't get elected. Right. It's, it's not, not a simple process. Right. Uh, in fact, I, I went through uh, a, a very long formation process. It ended up being a little over five years right? from start to finish. It was almost six years. And really, it's not just you going through that process. It's several men. No, and well, but more importantly. Exactly, and their wives. Right. If, if they're married, the, the wives are involved to some degree yeah. in this formation process. Now, the wives are not ordained in any way, mm-hmm. right? But... The wife needs to be a willing member of the family and to agree that ordination is what this man should seek. Right. Right, because the, the bishop is not going to ordain a man whose wife says no. Right, right. That's going to be a little, some unfortunate disharmony in the family. Yeah, somewhat so, of a sign. Right. So if you're <laughs> interested in being a deacon, if you're feeling called, if like God's calling you to this, uh, this very unique and very profound order, mm-hmm. right, calling you to this higher degree, a level of participation in your church, to holy orders, uh, the first thing you do, I think, is pray. Yeah, that's the very first thing you should you should pray and you should ask God, is this truly a call? You should discern that. But then you need to involve your wife if you're married. You need to go right immediately to your wife and say, "Honey, I think I'm feeling a sense I'm, that God is calling me to be a yeah. minister in His church." Yeah, and and in that way, um, now you're starting to see if really truly you're being called. Yeah. And then there's other things that you can do. And one thing is I would advise people who are interested to uh, go to uh, their local Catholic bookstore and get this thing called the National Directory for the Formation, Ministry, and Life of Permanent Deacons in the United States. This is a great document that came from the USCCB that basically just tells us um, all there is to know about the diaconate. Mm-hmm. gives you some great history. And I was actually quoting out of that as I was reading some of these uh, things to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will be very helpful, mm-hmm. very helpful in your discernment and your call. So hopefully uh, we want to thank again Bazo Dharmawan in Indonesia for that wonderful email. Send us more, Bazo. And I'm going to remind – I want to read the last line. Keep up the good work, Deacon. May God bless you all the way. Please say hi to Tom Dorian. He has an amazing voice. Tom, you have an Indonesian fan club. All right. I, awesome. I need to go pay them a visit. <laughs> very good. Very good. Take your sick dog with you. Right. Uh, wonderful. All right. So you need to close this. In we're prayer. gonna. Well, let's do that. And we're gonna Please. close with the prayer that's on the feast day of Saint Lawrence, right. one of the great deacon martyrs of the church. Right. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O God, giver of that ardor of love for you, by which Saint Lawrence was outstandingly faithful in service and glorious in martyrdom, grant that we may love what he loved and put into practice what he taught through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stein, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.